3: Welcome to Special Teams, a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome inside special teams with Jason Smith and Mike Harmon, the podcast that takes a look back at some special teams, special years in sports and what made these teams so noteworthy. Now, the past few weeks, we've been on a big run looking back at some big NFL playoff games and some of the special teams that took part in them uh, throughout the past 20, 25 years. We'll get back to that. We got a couple more to get to, but a bit of a break. Give you a little bit of a curveball, which tells you where we're going right now, as uh, for the next couple of weeks, we have some big baseball games of the past few years to break down. And a couple of the best games that we have seen in Major League Baseball in the past 20 years are going to be the topics of this week and next week's special teams. And today, we're going to look back at the crazy-ass 2007 National League wildcard tiebreaker between the Rockies and the Padres that was won by the Rockies and in walk-off or slide-off fashion, 9-8. to Yes, this is back when, Mike Harmon, the San Diego Padres, were a team that routinely competed for the playoffs. Hey, they're ready to rise again. It's a new world order, isn't it? Isn't
4: that what I'm supposed to sell with what they've done? Yes, it is. Some of the young
3: talent. Yes, they have a lot of great talent. They're they're rising, absolutely, but, boy, it's been a long time. Of course, it all has to end at the same time.
4: Yeah, it's been a long time between now and then. It's been a minute. But, you know, everything comes in cycles. Isn't that what they say? You can't be dominant forever, Patriots, in your, uh, against your Jets. But, uh, you know, that's the outlier. For the most part, there's an ebb and flow and a time to every purpose and, and all of those things.
3: You got you got a lot of cliches in there. Uh, you, you I did my those? best. You, I, you did I, well. Much. You know what? I was watching Bull
4: Durham uh, okay. during during the break. You know, you try to find your fix as you wait for Opening Day to come back. All right. All right. You know, and as you and I sat down <laughs> to to talk about this historic game, part of it is how much can I immerse myself into baseball films? And so, having done a little nucleouche. Uh, study.
3: I, I figured I'd go cliche heavy. All right, very good. Well, let's. Well, I'll try to uh, mark how many cliches you say throughout the podcast today.
4: Okay, I'm already at what, like nine. Oh, that was. I
3: think like eleven.
4: I think yeah. I'm well, start, but they weren't really the cliche because I kind of mutated some of them. So I think it did a good job of uh, you know being straight on with them.
3: All right, then I'll. I'll. Do, we'll just round it off to ten and call it even. Well, there you go. All right. Uh, So this season, 2007, the teams that wind up playing in the NL wildcard tiebreaker, game number 163. It comes down to the Rockies and the Padres. Both teams finishing 89-73. and Colorado wins the coin flip to win home field. So the Rockies are at home. The Padres have to go play in Colorado. Now, most of the season were the Diamondbacks and the Padres fighting for the division, and the Rockies had a big run uh, to make it up to the the play-in game. The wild card fight was huge. The wild card came down to the last day of the season. This is the year that, yes... (laughs) Unfortunately, or fortunately, if you're not a Mets fan, the Mets blew a seven-game lead with 17 games left to finish 88-74, and one game out of first place, and the wild card, to which I say, Mets, yo. I mean, uh, the the collapses coming off 2006 and Beltran looking at strike three, they're up seven games with 17 left. No, they got it, they got it. Nope. Nope, the Mets gack it away They don't go to the playoffs But this was actually really exciting Because at the end of the season Philadelphia, who wound up winning the NL East The Mets, the Padres, Colorado and Arizona All finish within two games of one another So this is every game The final week and a half of the season Is we gotta win tonight Or this could be it for us It was tremendously exciting well, great
4: for baseball, great for those cities, except the Mets, uh, as they get left out, losing yeah. six of those final seven. Yeah. But the Rockies go on that, what, 13 and one in their final 14 mm-hmm. uh, to get there. But I mean, that's all you can hope for at the end of a, a regular season. Right. We always bemoan the all right, it's September 1st playoffs are set. Can we just stop? right at least now with the wild cards as they've been structured into the game now uh you you start going to have a number of cities that are still vying and fans hopeful and optimistic that they can pull off one more series sweep to get into a postseason dance because once you're in the dance that's all that matters right it's like we always talk about getting into the ncaa tournament all right yeah you've got your 16 seeds or whatever but all you're hoping for is is an invitation because then you can make magic happen and In this year, I mean, this is how the end stretch run certainly did and and propelled into a great uh, playoff month for Major League Baseball.
3: Yeah, you know, you said a lot of great salient points right there. And all I was thinking of was Tom Glavin being so crappy in the final game of the season and blowing it as the Mets blew that lead and then said he wasn't devastated after losing that game and the Mets missed out on going to the playoffs. The day after Johan Santana threw, I think, 163 pitches to win 2-0 yeah. to make the last day mean something. Uh Thirteen right, he years. Just brought back
4: Johan, Johan Santana. Uh, I
3: mean, really, what a study was. I mean, he, he, he had a shutout. Uh, he, he threw like 160 pitches to win that game, yeah, he did. and Glavin gets bombed the final game of the season. Uh, boy. All right, so it's not your fault. No, you're right. You tell me that all the time, and and I realize that it really isn't my fault. Doesn't make well, it. Well, we easier.
4: really do string a lot of things into that, which means <laughs> that probably some of it is your fault.
3: Uh, now these teams. Now to, this is the most fun part about this is you get to talk about some of the players who were big stars back then. As you mentioned, Colorado gets in because they go nuts the second half of the season, mm-hmm. right? They have an 11-game win streak. They, they lose one more game, they're out. They were so much fun this year. Troy Tulowitzki was a rookie. Matt Holiday Mash, You wound up coming in second for MVP. Todd Helton, they had five guys in the starting lineup with 90 RBIs, right? And they came at you in waves with all their young players who would come up late. They would rake for a couple of years and then disappear here. Guys like Garrett Atkins, Brad Hop, Seth Smith. Like I felt like that was all the Rockies were it was we're going to hit, we're not going to pitch for crap, but we are just going to try to hit and pound you into submission. Now it never worked all the way because you really need to pitch a little bit to win. But sure. th- these, it seemed like everybody the Rockies brought up was great. They hit well, they mashed, and look, some of these guys they had some phenomenal years in Colorado. And when you had five guys with 90 RBIs in your starting lineup, uh, you're not going to lose too many games.
4: Home road splits were absurd. Of course, we've always talked about that. But you look at every, everybody in the lineup hitting 280 or better, except for your V Tori Alba, who hit 255. Wow, you have to bring everybody, him up?
3: You just said everybody you have to bring up your V Tori,
4: Tori Alba. No, I wanted, just, to, I
3: wanted to single him out because he's
4: not my V, he's your V. Okay. Your V Tori <laughs> Alba is wow. your guy. Wow, you should have
3: said that like Berman. He's not my V, he's your V Tori Alba. DJ, Yeah.
4: Yeah, I mean, go all the way down. Your guy, Kaz Matsui, mm-hmm. former Mets. Oh, yeah. Uh getting after it. But you, you mentioned all those names and, and just it seemed like for a, a what 12 years, 15 years, mm-hmm. you could cycle guys in. It's like, all right, what's he gonna do? He's gonna hit about 285, probably about 320 at home. Uh he's gonna hit about 20 home runs and drive in 80 80 runs. Hey sold. There's my outfield. Just give me three guys <laughs> like that with the occasional run like you had from a Matt Holiday. Uh, just a, a fantastic lineup. Uh, Belton
3: Todd Helton over there uh, at first base uh, steady as they came. Now for San Diego, they were in a great team. Bud Black is the manager who went on to manage Colorado after. Uh, they had just enough hitting because they relied mainly on Adrian Gonzalez. People remember, oh yeah, it was with the Padres where Adrian Gonzalez became a household name. Where He started, yeah. Khalil Green, who was a Supposed to be the next great star player. of a lot more on him coming up in the podcast. Kevin Kuzman off. Uh, you know, those are the guys they relied on to hit. Jake Peavy was their only standout pitcher. But boy, what a season he had. He won the pitching triple crown that year. Uh, Wins, strikeouts, and ERA, he led the National League. Their bullpen was fantastic. Trevor Hoffman, one of the top five closers of all time. Heath Bell. Doug Brokale, Kevin Cameron. Uh, this is your quintessential, hey, who's a solid team that, that, like I said, has just enough to win 88, 90 games and get in? That was the San Diego Padres.
4: Yeah, not, not exactly a world-beating line compared to what we were just talking about with the
3: Rockets. Yeah, no, oh, no, right? no, 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 no. They did not pound you into submission at all, this Padres lineup. No. Like they, they, mean, had, they, had a, they had a couple of mashers, and they pitched just enough, and, they, and their bullpen was really good.
4: Yeah, Mike Cameron, who had a nice career good outfielder 21 and 78 uh you, you mentioned Brian Giles one of the things looking up the where are they now uh a lot of guys on, on both these rosters found their way into the legal system so we'll just uh <laughs> stipulate to that here <laughs> okay. uh, but uh, as you you look at the rest of their roster I mean you, you mentioned from the pitching staff where Greg Maddox is more or less just a guy yeah right he's over 500 but 4.14 era David Wells is on this squad, but he's pitching to a five and a half ERA and Chris Young was Mr. Hard Luck. I remember that season specifically for fantasy baseball purposes. Like, can you score a run for him?
3: (laughs) Just give him anything. So nine and eight with his 3.12 ERA. I'll just give you enough. Don't worry about it. You'll get just enough from me. Now it's because of that great bullpen that San Diego was in this play in game because Trevor Hoffman, again, look, hey, you're going to find out he had a pretty bad two-game stretch at the end of the year. One of the best closers ever. Look, outside of Mariano Rivera, Trevor Hoffman was the best. He blew game 162 when Tony Gwynn Jr., of all people, his dad starring for so many years for the San Diego Padres, ties the game in the ninth inning with a triple and the Brewers wind up beating the Padres 4-3 to and this is why the Padres wind up in a tie for the wild card with Colorado and this is why we go to game number 163 and what a game it was. It's this many years later and the winning run the guy still never touched the plate all that and more. (laughs) Keep it right here Special Teams with Jason Smith and Mike Harmon. So here we are. Game number 163 to decide the NL wildcard team. Jake Peavy wins a triple crown against... Josh Fogg, who was nicknamed the Dragon Slayer because he was so good against other teams' top pitchers throughout the season in 2007. Hey, we don't have good pitchers. We just have a guy that pitches well against other good pitchers. So we're going to start Josh Fogg. Now, on paper, it's a pitching mismatch, but it's Coors Field. That's the great equalizer.
4: You know, and but you, you got to love the fact that you got a guy and and every team wishes they had a dude like this. It's like there's no pressure on me. Cause I'm yeah. not the
5: ace.
3: Yeah. I keep it close for a while. I'm fine. Now PV was someone who you always thought, boy, this guy is going to be great. And he had two great years, 2004 and 2007. And that was really it. I mean, this is after 2007, he said, okay, this guy's going to be a superstar now. And that was really the last great year he had. And it was stunning because you could see PV had all the talent in the world and that was just it for him. And it's kind of shocking. He didn't have a better career.
4: Yeah, I mean, he had a couple of okay seasons with the, with the White Sox. Uh, one in particular back in 2012, 11-12, with a three three seven ERA. Made the All-Star game, uh, was having a, a fine first half. Second half, it fell off. But to your point, I mean, this is a guy that had the stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. 152, 126 for the career with a 3.63 ERA and overall, what, about 2,200 strikeouts is what he finished with. But it seemed at that point in his career like that was where it was going to take off and you were going to be a consistent beast atop the Cy Young voting. He would have only three more seasons where he would finish with a double digit win total.
3: So, of course, this game begins with all kinds of offensive fireworks and is 5-4 after three innings. PV gets rocked for 10 hits and six runs. Hey, Coors Field, yo. Yo, so this this starts out like, boy. What an exciting game this is going to be. We already got nine runs in three innings. Uh, part of those hits, an Adrian Gonzalez Grand Slam, which was the first of his career. And, you know, all he did was rake for 11 years. He was incredible for San Diego. He was kind of like Albert Pujols light. He never made any headlines, but you can write him in for $30, 100 285 every year at the position you need that production from at first base. I mean, he made that Dodgers trade worth it. For for Carl Crawford all the bad money they accepted because they got Adrian Gonzalez who raked for a long time but you remember him as boy he was an MVP candidate with the Red Sox MVP candidate with the Dodgers you know finally the end of his career but the Padres is where he really became a star and uh, you know, like I said Albert Pujols light like he wasn't quite as damaging but boy could he hit man and and he was like a machine when you talked about the numbers out there There was never any wild swings of one year of 49 homers and then one year of 19 homers he didn't have any years like that
4: no the model of consistency remember him coming all the way you know as he was first coming up in major league baseball was you know he was anointed as, as the next even going all the way back to when he was with texas right didn't play with them much only about 60 major league games before he, he starts rolling with san diego takes over the first base slot in 2006 and just like that you know it took one year before he was a perennial MVP candidate. Also remember a bunch of gold gloves along the way. So erasing some runs along the, along the path and really where we're at broadcasting from Los Angeles became a a bit of a folk hero and fan favorite for those years that he was out here in LA.
3: Now this game is one of those back and forth edge of your seat because the offense could start ripping at any time. That's what kind of game this was. Look, these were Coors field games, but with the playoffs on the line, really something we don't get all that often. It was all the more exciting. You could tell that I remember this game, the tension uh, being worth it, going back and rewatching it, it. All the excitement is still there. And you know, to kind of illustrate the power of the waves, I tell you about the Rockies, they would come at you over and over in the seventh inning. Uh, Garrett Atkins doubled. And Jamie Carroll came in to pinch run for him. All right. In the seventh inning and Atkins is a hundred RBI guy. I mean, he, yeah. he knocked in 100 runs. and The Rockies said, hey, good game. You're coming out. This is the seventh inning, but this is how Colorado did things. They had guys that come in. Doesn't matter. You're going to come in. You're going to hit. You're going to rake. Whether it's Brad Hop or anybody else, it doesn't matter. We're going to have guys come in. I mean, can you imagine pinch running for a 100 RBI guy <laughs> in the seventh <laughs> inning of a playoff game? Hey, thanks. Good game. Now you're out. I mean, that's uh, that doesn't make any sense, but that's how Colorado did it.
4: Well, the luxury that you have, knowing that you'd already gotten to Peavy, right? So you 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 put done some damage against him, uh, and when when you can go after an ace like that, and you've got shark's teeth, is as, as I always call it, right? Take mm-hmm. one bite, uh, a new one pops into place, and you're ready to strike again. <laughs> that was that Colorado all. At,
3: Offense. I mean, that's just what they did. The tying run is scored in the eighth inning by Jeff Blum to make it a 6-6 game. Right? We'll have more on Jeff Blum later on. Oh, Jeff Blum was the best. I got got great stories about Jeff Blum, Uh, including, I'll tease this for later. I was the one that let the Padres know the winning run never touched home plate. Uh oh! I was the one. Uh, well, that's a great story, right? I was the one that, that let the tease. Padres know, and it was because of Jeff Blum. Brian Fuentes is the one who blew the save here by letting the tying run score. It was his seventh blown save of the season. Right? He had saved twenty games, but he had blown seven. That's a horrendous uh, percentage. <laughs> but in Colorado, yeah, that conversion
4: rate generally yeah, doesn't let you keep no, your job.
3: You're not going to. Th- this is where if you're twenty out of twenty-seven in fantasy baseball, you're on the waiver wire, going, "Who's next up? Who's the next up?" <laughs> (laughs) I'm going to pick him up right now so when he becomes the closer, I can put him in my lineup. Uh, But in Colorado, this is how it goes. In Colorado, this is how it goes. 20, yeah, we understand what it's like, the occupational hazard of pitching. So 20 out of 27 works. I mean, now he had some good years closing, but only mm-hmm. one great one. He saved 48 games in 2009. He, he was always the, well, Brian Fuentes is closing. Eh, okay, don't have to really worry about it. He's not great. He's not awful. He'll save the majority of the games. We could do better, but we could <laughs> do a lot worse. So, okay, we're okay at closer. That was kind of Brian Fuentes. 12 years in the
4: big leagues. You know, he was a four time All-Star. How about that? Four times with at least 30 saves. uh, That big year, of course, with the Angels
3: in 2009. This game winds up being tied into the twelfth inning, and if you just picture the the chewing down on your fingernails as the game goes from top of the ninth, bottom of the ninth, top of the tenth, bottom of the tenth, top eleventh, 11th, bottom eleventh, 11th, you're going, wait a minute, why why are we not getting any runs here? Why did the runs always stop? We're playing at Coors Field. We're playing at Coors. It goes tied into the twelfth inning, and this is where things get crazy. Scott Hairston, who is your quintessential fourth outfielder utility guy who plays like two or three days a week, hits a two run homer to get. The San Diego Padres the lead And at this point you're saying wow What a great back and forth game this has been Insane it's 8-6 now you know Hoffman's coming in, in the bottom of the 13th inning and as, as much as the Rockies have pulled rabbits out of hats before, you got to think you're at the bottom of that uh, sock drawer is going to be empty because Hoffman's not, Could you get a run and scratch a run off him? Yeah, maybe, but is he going to give up too? Is he going to lose the game? You really thought this was going to be it for the Rockies because Hoffman was coming in. He was as automatic as it got. He didn't get the attention of other closers because he played for San Diego and San Diego wasn't really a front-page newsmaking Team plus he's on the West Coast where all of his action comes at one thirty in the morning on the <laughs> East Coast because you don't see him till the ninth inning. Oh, often with a save, right. often with a save, and when you get him in one of the few times on national TV where everybody is watching, it's oh boy, this was not a really good game for Trevor Hoffman.
4: No, this is the guy we heard about. I mean, just lights out for his career. You'd hear the entry music and all the uh, pageantry celebration. But like you said, most times people only saw it in the update and their fantasy numbers or in the box score. Or maybe a little uh, early morning highlights while getting ready for work. Uh, But 42 saves and 48 opportunities uh, during the regular season heading
3: into this fateful night. So Hoffman comes in in the bottom of the 13th. You're thinking that's it. Well, not so much. Kaz Matsui, ex-met, now good. And Tulewitzki lead off (laughs) with back-to-back doubles. So now suddenly, oh boy, X-met, now good. Yeah. Well, they they said that was a big saying for a long time. X-met or X-jet. Now good. That was the thing. Uh, Cause Kazmatzui is the guy supposed to push Jose Reyes off a shortstop. Oh no. Kazmatzui is great. Yeah. Now Kazmatzui reinvents oh, himself and he mashes with the Colorado Rockies. Anyway.
4: Well, anybody go, if they got a gift trip to Colorado was going to put up some production. <laughs> <laughs> At least for a while. Hell, Mike Hampton didn't go there for the schools or whatever. Oh, no, yeah, he no, I don't like to
3: go and rake. I don't like the schools and all the big private schools that put people in Harvard and Yale. No, no, no I, I don't want to go there. I want to make sure we go to the school system in Colorado. Yeah, uh, no, he wanted to go and uh, be the fourth
4: outfielder. <laughs> so. <laughs> I mean, you know, you just expect that you're going to have an uptick in production. I'm sorry, buddy.
3: So, yeah, I mean, you just bring, I was done with the Mets and blowing the lead and, and, I know. Uh, and Glavin. and uh, So you have Mitsui and Tulewitzki back-to-back doubles. That makes the score 8-7. Matt Holiday triples off the wall to tie the game right? So now you got a runner at third and the game is tied and you're wondering what has just happened. Now you're not taking Trevor Hoffman out of the game. It's dude, you're either going to win it or lose this man. This is what we pay you for. Come on, man. You got to no, get something it. done. Uh Then Jamie Carroll comes up. Remember who pinch ran for Garrett Atkins and stayed in the game. He lines out to Brian Giles who makes a throw home and it eludes catcher Michael Barrett, right? Matt Holiday slides in safe and Barrett is not sure whether or not Holiday touches the plate, so he runs over to get the ball. The ball doesn't get too far by him, and this is a really exciting play. If you've seen the highlights, it's phenomenal. Uh, He runs and gets the ball, and he comes back, and he sees home plate umpire Tim McClellan give the safe signal, so he doesn't even tag Holiday. Holiday gets up. He starts going crazy. He's mobbed by his teammates. Rockies win the game 9-8, and it's stunning. Trevor Hoffman feels like he just walked on the mound, and like four minutes. minutes later he walks off and he couldn't protect a two-run lead and this two game run for Hoffman too he really wants to just forget about I blew the game that got us into the play-in game and now I blew the play-in game and it happened that fast it was like a lightning strike and suddenly the Padres have lost and the Rockies have won but this is where things get really interesting because replays show Matt Holiday never touched the plate didn't even get close to it so what should have happened was barrett gets the ball tags matt holiday it's a double play and suddenly there's two outs look the game is tied and you don't know what happens after that but there's two outs nobody on and the game is tied but instead there's no tag made and holiday is called safe now watching this you can see mcclellan doesn't make the call right away He watches the play happen, and you see Holiday slides in, and he doesn't make the call. And then the ball gets away from Michael Barrett, and when McClellan sees the ball get away, then he makes the safe signal, and that ends the game. Now clearly if we had instant replay We would have gone back and said you see right here The replay you gotta tag it you gotta complete the play Uh, Barrett should have tagged him And it would have gone on but McClellan It was very strange because I don't think McClellan saw it I don't think he saw Holiday touch the plate I think he couldn't tell I think he hesitated calling him safe And only did so when the ball got away from Barrett Like in his mind he thought Okay maybe he didn't touch the plate But the ball got away He's safe game is over Right, I really think that's what went through his head. He didn't see it, and I, I was really surprised that that was how you make the final call because if you don't see him touch the plate, like, there's no call. Holiday right. touches the plate because if he doesn't make the call, Holiday, I think, reaches back and touches the plate before he gets tagged, but he doesn't you know, because he kind of sits there thinking I'm safe, and you know, Barrett runs and gets the ball, and that's when McClellan calls him safe. Barrett still should have tagged him. He still should have touched him. But Barrett after the game and other people, other other members of the Padres said they didn't want to question Tim McClellan because he had such an unimpeachable reputation that okay, McClellan got the call right. Okay, we're walking away. I mean, that was the reputation he had as an umpire. And so when he misses a call like this, it's okay, we get it. When nowadays it would be I don't care what the guy's reputation is, tagged, we're gonna go to replay. He is a human
4: being. That is why instant replay. That's why the robot umpires are coming into major league baseball, man. We're seeing them in different levels. They're testing the processes now. So, I mean, in this one, it's just clear. And I don't know what he was waiting to call though. Right. I mean, cause it's not, Hey, you made a tag on him. Like the ball skips away. You're looking confused. And Then finally you get the slow Deliberate safe signal And then there's uh, the mosh pit Behind home plate so It becomes I guess a non-reviewable incident At that point Mm -hmm. once the first guy Body splashes him But it's Certainly a, a moment that major league baseball. Now you'd have guys throwing challenge flags all over the place.
3: Yeah. Wait a minute. Wait. A minute. He And it's clear he never touched the plate. It's not that. Well, maybe not. It's like, oh no, no, no holiday. Never got you. You see how the, this is back when you blocked the plate and Barrett had yep. the plate blocked with his foot and there was no way he was near it. And you know, Listen, Matt Holiday slid in and said, I, I, I can make it look like I touched the plate. And he called me safe. He called me safe. Once he calls me safe, the play is over. And I'm still kind of surprised Barrett didn't try to tag him and argue. It's the end of your season. And clearly, he didn't touch the plate. I tagged him. He should be out. But they didn't. And I don't care who the umpire is now. I don't care what you thought of him. That's how it would go now. And it's kind of sad a little bit that, you know, this is just 13 years ago that an umpire could have that much Cachet that nobody Would think to question him because he was He was thought of that highly I mean Who thinks of umpires that highly now I mean we see no. Joe West trends on Twitter and and Angel Hernandez trends On Twitter it's okay what did these guys Do these are guys who think people come to the ballpark To watch them umpire and that's I mean, But I mean it's only 13 years ago that we Actually had some umps that people thought of That way and that was pretty cool So what happened next for both of these teams? For the Rockies, they went further than any other year in recent history, and the Padres kind of turned into the Padres. We'll tell you what that's all about coming up next, as well as how I was the one to inform the Padres that Matt Holliday didn't touch the plate. That's coming up next right here on Special Teams. So with this legendary game in the books, the Colorado Rockies move on in the playoffs and they get all the way to the World Series. It is a huge season for them. They had never gotten that far before. They haven't been back since. Matt Holiday caps an incredible season. He goes two for six in the play-in game, wins the batting title over Chipper Jones. He also won the RBI crown, finished second, though, in MVP voting to the Phillies' Jimmy Rollins. Now, look, both players had great cases to make for MVP. Rollins was the guy who was a prophet, who talked about how the Phillies are going to win the division even when the Mets were up big late. Uh, No, Jimmy Rollins is a prophet. So Rollins wins, and and look, let's be honest – Anytime someone puts up big numbers at cores, if there's another player that puts up an equal type of production, they're going right. to get the benefit of the doubt because, look, hey, offensive numbers are inflated by Coors Field. So it was clear that Matt Holliday was going to have a, a losing battle to fight because, hey, between Holiday and Jimmy Rollins, boy, Rollins did it in Philadelphia, Holliday did his damage in Colorado.
4: Yeah, no, that, that you're always going to get the benefit of the doubt. I don't know what the percentage was in terms of votes. Inflation—it's like great inflation. Yeah, uh, I think that's what you got for the Colorado <laughs> Rocky Squad. It's like, hey, what do we give them? An extra half point—is that what it's worth here? Or strokes in golf? Whatever the analogy you want to work with here. <laughs> yeah, you got it. You got an issue if you were in Colorado. You were really going to need to hammer the competition.
3: Uh, they go on to get swept by Boston in the World Series. Uh, their entire franchise success is that season. Now they've made play in recent years but they've also been terrible they've still never won the nl west and that's kind of been their identity some years can the rockies hit enough to squeak into the playoffs sometimes they don't hit they don't pitch and they wind up finishing terrible but really their entire franchise success is about this game this season and 2007 they have never hit those heights again and really this was their year i mean like i said Five guys over 90 RBI. If you can't get to the World Series that year, when are you going to get there? They got there. They were outclassed by Boston, who had been there before, had a few players who were there coming off the 2014. It's only three years later for them. They're keeping the dynasty rolling. And the Rockies weren't really competitive. And it was a shame to see it because they were young. They were exciting. But this season, you talk about 2007, all Rockies fans will tell you was, yeah, well, that was the year. That was the year. That was the year.
4: Now, well, everything had gone right, right down the stretch, that second half momentum running through, got you to the dance, but then you're just outclassed. And it always is the, all right, if we had one more pitcher, but that's been the Rockies, uh, that's the unofficial, you know, subtitle for the team. If we had one more pitcher, or in some years it's been if we had one pitcher at all. So yeah, offense, uh, you can, playing one, one part of the game. Can't win in the NFL, can't win in Major League Baseball.
3: So that was the Colorado Rockies. Now for the San Diego Padres, and we'll get to my uh, my story in a second. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know the most interesting player coming off this because look, that that was really the end of the good times for the Padres. You know, they, they had, you know they, this is where they entered the time of, ooh, okay, now we're just going to wait and rebuild. How long are you to rebuild for? A decade, really? Well, maybe longer than that. But we're going to rebuild now. But I, I look at somebody like Khalil Green. And I, I I shake my head and go, boy, this is just a microcosm of the Padres franchise. In 2007, Khalil Green, he was always, he, he's the next great shortstop, right? In Major League Baseball, Khalil Green was. And he had had some really solid years, right? He had a, he had years where he had around 250, 260. He had 15 home runs, knocked in about 70 runs, right? This was Khalil Green. Boy, he's a young shortstop. He's coming on. In 2007, he slashed 27 homers. 97 RBI, and he had 254. All right, this is it. He's 27. He's entering his prime, and the and the Padres are going to ride him for the next five to seven years. He's going to be that good. I mean, he suddenly is coming in, and, and he's going to be that great a player. He only lasted two more years in the majors. He was out of the majors in 2009 at the age of 29 with the St. Louis Cardinals. He had mental anxiety issues had a tough time dealing with that. That was what helped force him out of the game. And that's such a shame because he had all the talent in the world. And and there was, you know, I really thought, okay, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And then he looks like he's right there. And then he winds up having problems that prevent him from becoming a star in Major League Baseball when it looked like he had everything there for him.
4: Yeah, went and played one more year, Uh, what, 77 games uh, in 2009 for the Cardinals. Uh, and then was out of baseball. And we'll get into him uh, in the where are they now uh, segment of things. But, you know, you, you see that breakthrough 2007 season, you know, that was that was going to be a star for them, mm-hmm. right? A guy to hang their hat on uh, and, and continue to build. With him and Gonzalez, you look like you at least had two pieces moving forward. Uh, but it's the Padres. We've had a lot of prospects that have come up. How many times is it? All right, the youth movement. Part 27 that's really Going to get things started and Move forward since this Appearance and this battle Against the Rockies they've had One season over 500 mm.
3: uh, So now you're ready For my story ready for my story oh, yeah, I'm ready. I-, I told the Padres that That holiday didn't touch the plate So Jeff Blum, who I mentioned a few minutes ago He would come on my show on all night All the time on ESPN Radio What I did before I came to Fox And he was a great dude He would talk about anything He was so much fun to come on He would come on once a week when they had an off day He was the best We had him on uh, during his his years with San Diego We had him on with the White Sox He came on after he hit the big home run That won the World Series That won game three of the World Series He was fantastic Uh, He was on Oprah with the team after they won Blum was a terrific dude. So I didn't talk to him that night, but we talked to him the night after. And I came on and it was a big deal having a, you know, guy, you know, member for the Padres on, and we're talking about it. And I said, So what was it like last night, you know, you know, knowing that Matt Holliday didn't touch the plate? And he said, You want to hear a funny story? And I said, sure. And he said, We didn't know he didn't touch the plate. I said, what? He goes, we were getting on the plane to go back to San Diego and I was listening to you and you were talking about how holiday never touched the plate and how it wasn't even close. And I take off my headphones and I tell some of the guys, Hey, I'm listening to Jason Smith on ESPN radio. And he is saying that Matt holiday never touched the plate. And there were all the guys were looking at him like, what? So they wanted to see a replay and see it all. (laughs) So a lot of the guys didn't know he didn't touch the plate until I, you know, I was talking about it. Blum was listening, took off his headphones and said, hey, guys, uh, Holly never touched the plate. So I was I was I kind of broke that news to him by way of the radio.
4: And now they're all contained within an airliner. What
3: do you do with that? Can you believe that he didn't touch the plate? Come on, land Ah! this this plane (laughs) soon. We got some pissed off people, man. They know Holiday never touched the plate. That's crazy. Ah! Ah! Oh, and you want even a better addendum to this story? Okay. Sure. This is best, even a better addendum. So at ESPN, it was like a week before this. Our one of our big managers said, "Hey, listen, we're looking to put together reels of stuff uh, when people outside of ESPN mention us in our programming." And we said, "Okay." And he said, "Like for instance, the other day, Bud Selig mentioned Mike and Mike." And he mentioned them because they were talking about what was labor negotiations or something. And Bud Selig in an interview said, "Well, you know, I heard Mike and Mike, uh, you know, talking about this on ESPN Radio, blah 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 blah." Oh, okay, I get it. So this happens. We get this with Jeff Blum, right? This is a big deal. I'm like, oh my god! So he I, he just told me that listening to to our show, they wound up finding out that Holiday didn't touch the plate. I gave it to my manager. This is exactly what they want. I'm thinking this is gonna be great for us. Never use it. Never did it. Just, I wasn't big enough because I was on Overnight. So they're like, oh, we don't need to put that on there. I'm like, that's exactly what you asked for. It's exactly what you wanted. And I gave it to you. I mean, how many other shows can do that? I gave it to you. It's a big game. It was a big deal. And you didn't use it because I was on Overnight. And I I was so disappointed. Look, you know, reason number four hundred and seventy five. When I say ESPN, they only want to promote like two or three shows. They don't care about anybody else. I was so disappointed because it was it was what they asked for to the letter. When somebody else is talking about listening to ESPN radio, here it is. I had it right here. Here's a guy who played in the game. (laughs) And that nope, they didn't use it. No, because I was on overnight. I was so mad. I was so mad about that. (laughs) Laid it up
4: precisely as ordered. I mean, it was almost according to the script. Oh, boy. All right, so uh, speaking of where are they now, where are some of the players
3: from this game, Mr. Harmon?
4: All right, We got a lot of people that st- stuck around Major League Baseball And as I referenced before I was like, hey, let's bring up this name Nah, bring up that game Nah, a bunch <laughs> of guys that got some legal things So yeah. you can look those up on your own time uh, You got Joe Thatcher uh, Assistant coach at Indiana University Kokomo
3: A place called Kokomo Yeah, exactly That's where I want to go you- to get away from it all Down in Kokomo I Exactly, Aruba, especially in, in, in Indiana
4: <laughs> you know, uh,
3: Montego Baby why don't we go Florida Keys Did I say Jamaica? Okay there mind. Bermuda, Bahamas, come on pretty
4: mama Key Largo, Montego
3: I miss Key Largo, that's the one I miss Baby
4: why don't we go down right. to Kokomo uh, Yeah now I'm I really screwed up with that spoken, spoken, I. I'm still doing about spoken that. word. Uh, Jamie Carroll is a special assistant to the front office of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, Jeff Baker, uh, his dad was a United States Army colonel, so he's very heavily involved with the uh, Wounded Warrior Project. Oh, nice. Uh, Tremel
3: Sledge is the hitting coach for the Cubs. Well, if your uh, name then- is Sledge, you better be a hitting coach. I mean, really, come on. Hey, who's going to help you out? Sledge. Oh, yeah, I'm going to learn how to hit really well. <laughs>
4: Well, I think that would give you an inside track you at least get a little bit of a job opportunity and then you got to make the most of it uh, and then you mentioned Khalil Green we talked about him and his anxiety issues uh they tried to do a where are they now for the uh, you know Cardinals writers saying hey let's you know follow up on and he's in Greer South Carolina but uh, doesn't talk Wow basically I guess been telling teammates that as soon as he was done he would disappear and He's done as
3: best as he can to do just that. I had a guy I worked with, he used to say that. He used to say, hey, when I quit, you're never going to see me again. I go, yeah, but dude, we hang out all the time. We hang out at work. We go out. He goes, yeah, but when I quit, <laughs> you're never going to see me again. I'm going to be gone. I said, okay. Guess what happened? The guy quit? I never saw him again. That <laughs> was the end of it, Uh Well, hopefully he's doing okay. Uh, again, you know, look, playing in a game like this, having a career, you know, making it to the majors, all that talent in the world. Uh, hopefully he's doing okay. Uh, this has been Special Teams with Jason Smith and Mike Harmon as we look back Uh, our first of our two week look back at game number 163's that have been big in Major League Baseball in the past few years which kind of gives you a hint as to the game we're going to talk about next week if you have any ideas for future episodes on special teams hit us up on Twitter at how about a fresca Mike at swollen dome don't forget to rate us if you loved it give us five stars we'll love you forever and ever it allows us to continue to bring you content like this if you hate us you can say you hate us still give us five stars it's okay I won't tell anybody. Uh, We'll talk to you next week on special teams. Before you go, rate and review the show. Whether you're listening on iHeartRadio, iHeartRadio apps, Apple, whatever it is, give us a rate. Tell us you like it. We will love you forever and ever and ever. Special Teams is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
2: Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on Select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
4: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that. He is! And you will not believe where he's going next the Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win!
0: Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
5: Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm. The Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every Every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com/iheart. That's l e e s a.com/iheart.